G'day community and welcome to the JR BBL podcast episode 3 for BBL 11. My name is Damo and joining me again is Azza. How are you going mate? I am very well Damo. It is great to be back for another episode and I hear we have a special guest joining us today. We do. From KFC Supercoach Herald Sun team is Tim Mitchell. How are you going mate? Hey boys, don't know about special, but uh, more than happy to be on with you. Um, yeah, you guys have done a, an awesome job coming as, in as part of our uh, official KFC Supercoach BBL team this summer, and um, it's been a big week or a week and a half of, of signings as well. So yeah, we've got uh, plenty of internationals and, and plenty of other things to talk about, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll get on to that, but first I want to talk about your team. You sent us through the screenshot. Uh, you've got Ashen Agar on your bench. 90k is a bit too expensive to be sitting on my bench. How have you managed that? Um, it's a good question. Pinching, penny, pen, uh, penny pinching, I should say, in in maybe some other positions when I could have gone a little bit bigger. But um, as we know, guys, like you've got to be planning at least a few rounds ahead, and I think it's round four that the Scorchers have got the the double. So really, it'll just come down to um, whether Ashton Agar, and there's probably a fair chance that he is ends up being part of the. I think twenty-five player squad that we're expecting Australia to pick for these for this um, intra-squad game that they're going to have before the Ashes. So, if he's named in that team and then sort of potentially playing for Australia A against the Lions as well, I'll have to um, potentially find another option there. But I think he's well underpriced um, based on his potential output, even though he hasn't been um, all that great the last couple of seasons in the BBL. Um, it hasn't been a huge wicket taker for the Scorchers for probably. Three or four summers now. Um, I think with his sort of potential output with bat and ball, he's a really good option at that price as well. And, and someone I'd be happy to carry for at least a few rounds if it's on your bench or, or, or if you need him as the sort of fifth bowling or batting position. And then you can deploy him in that uh, in that round four double game week and weigh up whether you trade him out or not after that. And I've noticed that you've got Dan Christian, Carlos Brathwaite and Tom Curran. Are you not worried about Curran's return stifling the playtime of one of them? Yeah, well, I've thrown you guys a Swifty here because in the in the time that uh, <laughs> I, I sent you the screenshots to now, I've actually dumped Dan Christian for Ben Dorcius. So um, it sort of goes along the same lines, though, doesn't it? Yeah, and and maybe we've, it's probably not ideal, is it, that the Sixers have uh, got the round one double because we don't really get a chance. We don't get a chance to see um, how Moises Enriquez, if he's there, because he's another one that might be involved in a, the Australia A game, but or the Australia A squad at the very least. But we don't get to see how he's going to use Curran, Brathwaite, uh, Dorcius, Dan Christian, um, and then any of their spinners, whether it's going to be, well, it's not going to be Nathan Lyon, but Menenti or Steve O'Keefe or Lloyd Pope early on. So they've got no shortage of option there at the sixes. And yeah, definitely, like I've got Tom Curran as captain at the moment. Um, and the only reason I'd potentially waver on that Damo is because I'm a little bit worried about where he bats. Now, we know he contributed close to 150 runs a couple of summers ago, and that really helped boost his, his overall KFC Supercoach BBL average. But you'd think he's probably going to bat below Dan Christian, who wasn't in the team last time he played. So, say DC's at six, Brathwaite more than likely at seven, and then Tom Curran. How much of a bat does he get this summer if he's batting at eight in what is a pretty strong team for the, the sixes? So, if you're picking him, you're picking him, I think, purely for bowling points this season. Um, but I'm still prepared to do that because um, he bowls the 20th over for the Sixers and more often than not gets one, if not a couple of wickets then. And, and Dorcious is his backup bowling sort of the, the 17th and 19th overs. So that's why I like those two guys. And I think the one with sort of some question marks about him, especially at that price, is 
um, Dan Christian. Yeah, we know how, how dynamic he can be with bat and ball, but I do just wonder how much he's going to bowl with Curran, Brathwaite and Dorsius in that team, along with more than likely a couple of spinners as well. Yeah, Tom Curran's a very impressive bowler as well as a batter. And as a bowler, you would still pick him at his price, especially given his uh, resume in the BBL. You've got a bit of a point of difference in your team. Uh, Wes Agar, haven't seen him in many teams at all, but he did surprise a few last season. Yeah, he's been in, in and out of my team. I've been um, yeah playing around with a few of those strikers who I'm going to try and start and how many I'm going to start with, um, with one eye to their round two double as well. And, and the guy that hasn't left my team, I know you guys are a bit sceptical on picking Englishmen who we haven't seen before, which um, has, has been proven in recent years, certainly with English batsmen that have come out that most of them, like Will Jackson last year, have, have sort of really struggled to adapt in their first season or two in the BBL. But I really like George Garton, especially at his price. I think he's going to bowl pretty regularly for the, the strikers and probably bat six or seven as well because he's shown in uh, England's T20 competition, the Vitality Blast, that, that when he comes in, he can hit a pretty big ball. And if he can get, maybe he could be like a, a Tim David type from early last season and come out and whack 20 off eight balls at the end of an innings and pick up an extra 30 or 40 points a game. So that's certainly my hope for him. Um, in, in that sort of extra strikers bowling position, it's it's probably going to come down to, do I go with Wes Agar? Do I go with Peter Siddle? Do I pay up for Rashid Khan as well? Um, I all, think all three of those are a fair chance of picking up a decent bag in, in round one leading into that round two double because they've got the Renegades first up. So, look, I might I might try and find that extra bit of money and maybe it does come down to sacrificing Ashton Agar to get up to Rashid Khan because there's no doubt I'm going to want him for round two. Um, but, yeah, at the moment, I'm sort of looking at, at some of those uh, strikers' options that are just a little bit cheaper than sort of paying 200000 for Rashid Khan when he doesn't have the double in round one. And, and maybe I'll look to shift someone like Ben Dorsius or Tom Curran over to Rashid Khan in round two instead. Well, you did flag that you were considering swapping Agar and Stoinis for Rashid Khan and Bartlett. Uh, has that happened yet? Uh, Stoinis has gone out of my team. So I'm, been, I'm a bit concerned, and, and we've seen it in the last couple of seasons as well. Like we've been left tearing a hair out, haven't we? Um, with his sort of limited bowling time for the Stars as well. So they've now signed um, Quais Ahmad, who's a 125k bowler in KFC Supercoach BBL. So you think he's going to bowl four overs in most games. Adam Zamp is going to bowl four overs in most games. He's been dominating over at the T20 World Cup. Um, they're going to pick a couple of pacemen. So what, probably one of Stanlake and um, Hatcher are going to play most games, or if not sort of both of those two potentially. Um, and then you've got Glenn Maxwell, who's been bowling regularly for the Aussies over at uh, the World Cup as well. So, and oh, and I forget Nathan Coulton Isle because he didn't play a lot of games last year, but he was really good in the IPL. So um, the Stars certainly don't lack for bowling options. And that's why I worry that, especially with the double not till round three, if Marcus Soinis was to miss out with the bat in the first couple of rounds, you might be looking at some pretty low returns. So... Look, it could come back to bite me because he's a player that can go big on his day. But at the moment, I'm prepared to fade him um, and, yes, yeah, spend my cash sort of elsewhere. But I do really like Xavier Bartlett. And, and I think he's going to – like the word is from Queensland that if not this week, in the next couple of weeks, um, he's going to be back bowling as well, which has been the bit of a concern around him. He's only 97K and we know the Heat are going to be missing a lot of players. Like I mentioned, that Australia A game again, they could be missing – 
Um, well, Labuschagne's going to be gone to the test squad, but Swepson could be out for round one. Uh, Steckity could be out for round one. And I'm sure there's others that potentially get looked at in the heat squad as well. So that more than likely gives Bartlett the chance to step up for a double. I think he could start the season really well. And he might even get a go at sort of number seven or number eight based on some of the innings that he's had with Gold Coast in the, the Queensland grade cricket comp while he's... Um, while he's been injured and, and not bowling. So he's actually been batting quite well. I think he's in the top 10 or 15 run scorers in that competition at our time of recording. So if he can um, maybe get 15 or 20 runs late in an innings, take a few wickets as well with the new ball like he can, um, I think he could just be uh, just about be one of the best options that's under 100k to start with this season. And Tim, what's one player that uh, you've been looking at that you haven't been able to afford or is for, for whatever reasons you're not really picking them up in round one, but there's one that really you've got your eye on maybe further down the track. Yeah, boys, I love, I love, as, and almost as much as you, you two do, like I love Daniel Sams and he's been the number one KFC super coach scorer of the last couple of seasons. I would love nothing more than to find a way to get him in because regardless of whether he's got a double game week or not, um, we, we just know how well he, he can score. So um, I'd like to try and get him in there, but unfortunately, um, I've sort of preferred to go for some of those higher priced options that do have double game weeks early on in the season. Like I've got Glenn Maxwell, who's 195k with one eye on round three. Um, and then, as I say, like it's probably going to try and find the money um, to get Rashid Khan in as well, who's around that price too. So um, when you're trying to yeah, weigh up these guys that are all pretty solid scorers and can all go very big on their day, um, you've probably got to put the, the double game week at, at the forefront of your mind. And, and that's what, um, has swayed me to go for for Maxwell and and Khan at, at, or potentially Khan if I can get him in um, over sort of a Daniel Sam's type at this stage as much as love to have him and as far as cheapies go as like the the two guys that I've I've looked at and had in my team at different stages but aren't there at the moment um, I think Ollie Davies from the Thunder could really explode out of the blocks like a bit of talk around that he's going to uh, slot in at number three in Callum Ferguson's position uh ferg having joined our kfc supercoach bbl team for the summers which is great to have him on board and if ollie davies is going to get regular opportunities at number three um especially if he's going to be batting in the power play like we all know based on what he did in his first couple of games for the thunder how um destructive he can be so i think ollie davies could be a really good price although it's slightly awkward when you consider that someone like aaron finch is about 10 or 15k cheaper than him um and daniel hughes is a pretty similar price as well to um, Oliver Davies as well and we know Dan Hughes has um, a double in round one too so he's been a favourite of mine for the last few years even though he's been solid without being spectacular in the BBL um, and yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised at, at some stage in the next um, well how long have we got as of recording we've got about four or five weeks before the BBL starts I'm sure Daniel Hughes will find his way into my team as I um, sort of play around with the final lineup several times in in the next month or so. A few international signings have joined teams since we last recorded. Uh, Tim Clark and Quais Ahmed signed with the Stars. Tim Clark looks like he'll take the gloves as the wicketkeeper with Seb Gotch battling an injury. Uh, anyone starting him? Yeah, I, I have looked at Joe Clark. If he was a bit cheaper... Um... Sorry, Joe Clark. Yeah, Tim no. If, I don't know where I got Tim from. From, from assistant, the assistant coach at Carlton this year. He's come, he's come as part of uh, Michael Voss's lineup, which I'm sure Leck Dog will be happy to hear me slip a bit of Carlton talk into <laughs> a JRBBL podcast. But um, Joe Clark, it's, uh, at a, when there's so many options at what probably 110k or less, 
Um, it's pretty hard to justify, I reckon, paying 112k for a, um, a batsman. Yes, he might wicket keep, but is largely going to be relying on his batting for his points. So um, I could see him exploding out of the blocks because, like, he's forming the Vitality Blast the last couple of seasons has been really good, and he didn't necessarily replicate that in the three games that he played for Perth Scorchers last year. But um, I'm going to sit on him for a couple of rounds and, and see how he goes. And I don't think Touchwood, his price is going to rise all that much by round three when if he was in a, a bit of form at that stage, I'd probably look at bringing him in for the double instead, Damo. And um, Azza, what do you think about him? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm on board with uh, everything that Tim said. I'm going to sort of hold off. Yes, he's a really uh, interesting option at his price. Um, but yeah, you, given that he'll probably bat um, between one to three, he's going to definitely uh, score some runs early on. But um, it's just depending on how he's going to come over and into what sort of form. Yes, he's done some really good things over in the Vitality Blast. There is 136 uh, off 90 off 65 balls, I should say, um, which was just incredible to watch um, in his time with Nottingham year. But I'm still just going to wait and see. Um, but yeah, look, if he's if he's the goods, he'll definitely come in with that double game week um, uh, in those first few rounds. If he was 20k cheaper, I'd be starting him. But at above 100k, slightly too expensive for me. We'll move on to the Renegades. They announced this morning that Muhammad Nabi is returning for the duration of the tournament. Woo. And they've also signed Reese Topley and Unmuk Chand with the Renegades. Uh, Azza, this is information directly from you. Uh, Reese Topley is a young, up-and-coming English quick. Interesting form line. Had some success in the Vitality Blast. A career T20 and economy rate of 8.28, so middle of the road there. Mm. Uh, Chand won player of the tournament at um, as his Silicon Valley Strikers won the minor league cricket title in the States. Yeah, it, um, Chand's a very interesting one because obviously uh, he was a, um, an Indian A player and hasn't really been doing a lot um, – in T20 domestically other than over in the States. Um, the US are looking at making their own domestic T20 competition and that's still in the development phase where that's where Chan's been playing. But he was obviously um, the top run scorer in that competition, which does present uh, some interest. But again, it's something that I'm going to be just sort of waiting to see on. It has um, to be it has to be a big jump, doesn't it? As like it from, the, from the American minor league, and oh, and, and we'd, yeah. we'd be lying if we said, apart from a few highlights that we've seen on social media, like that any of us have watched this competition because it's not like it's broadcast in Australia. So, <laughs> um, look, his his numbers his numbers look pretty good on paper, but you'd have to think that it's a pretty big jump to go from playing in the American minor league. T20 competition to playing in the Big Bash League. So it's great that there's an Indian, like hopefully he's a trailblazer for getting more Indian talent out here. And we know that the rules are, are pretty strict around all that. But um, boy, the, the Indian um, cricketers in the WBBL at the moment are just doing amazing things. So you, you just think how good the BBL could be if we could get a few more Indian stars out here. And I know it's probably not going to happen anytime soon, but, but hopefully some of those pretty strict rules that are in place at the moment maybe can be relaxed a bit or we can see I don't know, a couple of guys that maybe hit the T20 circuit more than, than playing um, test cricket for India, for example, uh, out here and, and playing in the next few summers. Yeah, exactly and, right. And and Muhammad Nabi returned to the Renegades and he'll shape their 11 quite, uh, dr- quite dramatically, you'd think. 
Yeah, so he's, he's come in. He's only just been put in um, before we started recording this podcast, actually, into the game. So 139K, which is a pretty good price for a guy that can impact a game with um, bat and ball, which I think he's, he's probably going to bat around that number six or seven spot and try and finish off innings like he often does for the Renegades. And then... Um, and then probably, yeah, bowl his two or three overs a game as well. So um, I think I'll probably look to pick him up a little bit closer to a double game week or even once. I think there's that a period of the season after the first three or four rounds where there's um, no double for a couple of rounds. And um, depending on what his price is at that stage, he's a sort of player that you could look at picking up then. But you make a really good point, Damo, because he comes into the, the Renegades team and it, it does potentially shake things up a little bit as well. Like we're looking at their, their squad and you're thinking before the Narby signing, it probably means that to get, um, a, a proper bowling lineup together. Maybe Will Sutherland gets an early chance. Jack Presswich might get an early chance as well. Um, not that necessarily those guys have been great KFC Supercoach scorers when they have played, but um, Narby coming in just gives them that extra option with the ball. That means maybe they can go with an extra batsman and um, someone like Mackenzie Harvey, who finished off the season really well last year for the Renegades. Maybe with Narby's inclusion, um, they're able to play that extra batsman like Harvey and, and leave out um, one of those other all-rounders that I mentioned instead and as a you're a big nubby fan are you going to be selecting him in your team oh at, at 139,000 it's it's very tempting um I, I reckon he probably might even sneak in we know what he's capable of and he's been a high performing super coach player in the past I mean the issue again for the renegades with it they're they're a difficult side to read and I think with with Nabi the way he sort of comes in and performs he can be very up and down so I might hold off until that first double game round, um, but I'll definitely be looking at him uh, in the next four weeks, and I would not be surprised if he does land in my side round one, purely just, again, as a hard overhead pick. All right, we'll talk about some locals now. Uh, Farwood Ahmed signed with the Strikers. He came in at hundred and two, uh, just under 103,000K. Is he in the Strikers' best eleven? Damo, it's a very good question. No, no Rashid Khan is, but how many times in the last few seasons has Dizzy Gillespie played two tweakers? Like Liam O'Connor has played alongside Rashid Khan before, but they've had a pretty stable bowling lineup the last few seasons. Like Siddle and Agar um, open up and then they bowl in, in the later overs as well. Um, you think Matt Renshaw or Matt Short, depending on which one of them plays, probably offers a few part-time overs. Khan bowls his four every game. Um, and more often than not, like they're at least four of their five frontline bowlers bowl the four overs a game. So um, I'm not completely sold on him. I assume there's going to be times where they call on him and they're, and they're happy to pay, play that extra spinner. But my concern with him is that um, as good as Farwad is with the ball, we know he's probably at that stage of his career where in the field and with the bat, not that he has offered a lot throughout his career, certainly not his strength. Um, and I worry that he might be the type of guy that does what, what what happened with Xavier Bartlett several times last year, bowls his one over when the strikers win the toss and bowl, and then they sub him out for a batsman if, if it looks like they can get away with bowling uh, a Renshaw type for four or bowling a, a Matt Short type for four, for example. So, um, yeah, I think he's a prime candidate for that that X Factor sub, and and that's why I'd be steering clear of him and, and looking at some of the option other options even cheaper than him, like a, a Xavier Bartlett to start with. Do we consider him for the strikers double, or is the chance of him not being in the eleven 
too great. Yeah. No, I could, I could, right. and and the more I think about it as well as like I, I can see him being managed at different times as well. He's he's thirty nine yeah. years old. As much as I'm sure he keeps himself in pretty good nick, and he's played a lot of cricket around the world, so he knows sort of what to expect and how to condition himself. Um, I think there's always going to be that risk, especially when he's the sort of the second spinner in the squad behind Rashid Khan that um, that he, he, say, plays. And then if they've got another game two days later, he misses that second game to get himself ready for another one in three or four days' time. So even on a double, I wouldn't be all that confident that he was going to play both games. All right. Uh, Jack Wildermuth returned for the Heat. He's probably going to be signing up for some national duties there. Probably can't pick him for the Heat's double game week, which he would have been great for. Uh, And Max Bryant was announced this morning as well. He's come in at 117, almost 118,000 K. Probably too expensive, but he did average 38 last season. No, that's massive overs, Damo. Like I I think you're being I think you're being very kind to say it's probably too expensive. Like I I I would have maybe considered him if he was seventy or eighty K, hoping that he can blast off from the start. Like we're recording this podcast in the week after he got 157 off 100 odd balls in the, the Queensland grade cricket competition. But but up until that particular game, I don't think his form had been all that strong for his club side. So um look he's he's always had the potential to um, blow teams away like a, I think back to a couple of seasons ago when I think it was him and, and Ben Cutting opened the batting late in the season and absolutely um, blew it might have been the stars to shreds mm. in a game and chased down 150 off 10 or 11 overs and, and that's how destructive Max Bryant and some of those other big hitters at the heat can be but yeah I think you're taking a massive risk at, at 118k when there's some really good options that are, are a fair bit cheaper than Max Bryant. We'll stay at the heat, and Azza, we'll bring you in here because we haven't really heard you speak much. Yeah, I've got to stop talking, Az. Sorry. <laughs> you you invite me on, and then I just take over the podcast. What sort of what sort of good is that? Oh, mate, I just can't stop listening to your voice anyway, so I'm just, just breathing it all in. Okay, Azza, Majib didn't play in Abu Dhabi against Namibia or against India. Muhammad Nabi uh, was saying he was unfit ahead of the Namibia game. He returned for Afghanistan's game against New Zealand, though. Are we worried, or is he even worth considering at his price tag? Yeah, look, it's a, it's an interesting one because it's a, some interesting comments that's come come out there. But look, I, I it's it's a it's going to be really tough given that Jibal Rahman starts at two hundred and eight thousand, which is basically the second most expensive player in SuperCoach uh, for this upcoming season. So it's a huge gambit if he's not in. A great deal of form. I still think I'll be looking at him, uh, given you know there's that double game week um, straight off the bat. But uh, again, you got to be knowing what you're paying for, and for that, you're really going to be wanting him to come out, uh, you know, fit and firing. And if he's maybe a bit fifty-fifty, then I might be looking somewhere else. It's a bit of a concern, don't you think, Tim? Yeah, well, it seems silly to say it, but I I keep feeling like it could be sort of a potential make or break call in round one that could shake yeah. the whole season. So if you pick Majib and you pay 210k for him and he performs at the level that he did last year for the Brisbane Heat, when not only was he his usual economical self, but he was also taking the best part of a wicket, if not a wicket and a half a game on average, um, then you're going to bank 120 or 140 points more than likely in the round one double. But if he goes back to the scoring that we saw in his first couple of seasons for the Brisbane Heat, when he wasn't really a great wicket taker, like he relied a lot on the economy rate bonus for most of his scoring in KFC Supercoach, then you might only get 
60 or 70 points out of him for the round one double, which you'd probably consider unders for a player that you've paid almost 210K for. So I can understand why people are looking at him. Um, and when he was playing, in the, especially early in the, the World T20s, like his form looked pretty hard to ignore. Um, but at the same time, like he's a player that hasn't, surprisingly featured in my team once in all the different iterations that I've put together of it. I just I just think there's better options that you can get even with that that round one double as well. And um yeah, trying to avoid going too heavy on heat plays as well because after round one, um they've got the buy as well. So look you could quite easily go from Majib to Rashid Khan if you wanted to do that with a sort of get out trade after round one. But um yeah Majib is a guy that I guess based on price and and the chance that like he, he hasn't always traditionally been a huge wicket taker. Um, I, I'm willing at this stage to to fade him anyway. I might look at his ownership though in round one, and sometimes, especially early yeah. in the season, it's it's safer to be with the pack rather than playing against them. And if 15 or 20 percent of coaches have Majib in their team in round one, um, I might go down that path as well. I mean, it is worth noting that obviously uh, looking at his performances in that World Cup, that there was that one uh, outstanding performance against Scotland where he did take five for 20, which would would have equivalated to 147 in Supercoach. So we know he's definitely capable of it, but yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a, as he said, Tim, it's going to be a make or break call for round one. All right. Uh, some teams still have their lineups to finish for uh, the tournament, and the Scorchers are no closer, especially with Liam Livingston and Jason Roy not coming back. Uh, the word is that their schedules don't line up, but I assume the quarantining, the quarantine situation, also played a part in it. Uh, the Scorchers are now looking for an explosive batter, and their third import will depend on where Jai Richardson falls in the pecking order for the Australian or Australian A squad. You'd think on form, Jai Richardson makes that squad at 25. I'll tell you what, Dave, I've just, I've just come on, on air with you guys after watching him and one of your other boys, Joel Paris, just absolutely tear through Queensland in the Sheffield Shield. And I was watching both of them this morning thinking, how can I fit both of them into my team? Because, um, what I finished somewhere around the thousand mark last year, and, and probably the reason I didn't finish towards the top hundred was the fact that I tried to fade Jai Richardson all season, as he got more and more expensive, and he just kept scoring hundreds for fun in KFC Supercoach. So you're going to need him in your team at some stage, more than likely by round for if he's back. But you make a really good point about that extended squad. Like even though he hasn't played all that much red ball cricket, um, based on sort of injuries in the last couple of years, I'd be pretty surprised if if Jai Richardson isn't there. So. Um, I definitely think, like you said, Damo, there's going to, there's got to be a big name or an overseas signing coming in to probably partner Josh Inglis up the top. Um, and yeah, the Scorchers, depending on which way they go, might be a really important topic of discussion in the next few weeks leading into BBL 11, because if they sign a guy that um, we all like the look of at 125k, um, that might be the sort of one that we can, I don't know, look at for round one or round two, and then sort of potentially trade in with one eye on that round four double. It's going to be interesting to see how the Scorchers finish their lineup. Their bowling lineup without Richardson is or is already quite impressive, but it just makes it that whole lot better with Jai Richardson in it. So if he is part of that 25 squad, then it's going to be interesting to see how he then, is replaced. And then, Damo, and then if he's not there, you've got 
some some pretty reasonable options like guys who have well Lance Morris hasn't necessarily shown a lot of form at, at BBL level but um, as I say I was just watching the Shield before we came on to chat and he was bowling really well Lance Morris he's come back from the Stars to WA and then um, Matt Kelly what well, he he probably probably two or three years since he had his best season in the BBL but he's only sort of low hundreds as well in KFC Supercoach this year so. If it looks like um, either of those guys are potentially going to get a look early on, like especially Lance Morris, he could be a real sort of smoky pod for your bench at sort of that 62K alongside maybe Joel Paris as well. I was going through Twitter and going through the Jock Reynolds mentions, and one thing that someone commented on something was that uh, on this podcast, we are very round focused and not. Uh, season long focused. So I'm going to dedicate this next segment to tactics that casual players or tactics that, that all players really can employ all season long. So I'm going to go very obvious Ooh. here. And my first one is pay attention to the weather forecast. Yeah, the weather's super important throughout Supercoach because we know that uh, in weather affected games, uh, it's likely you 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 might find that uh, some premium players aren't going to even play, so it's really tricky to sort of find that right balance, but also have the right emergencies ready to go in case those uh, weather forecasts do turn bad. And of course, the obvious other one, just have some trades up your sleeves and just be wary that if there is going to be a rain affected game, just to hold off on your trades until the last minute, just to see what that is doing. It's a very uh, important thing to live by there, Damo. And the other thing that I was going to say is probably need to target all-rounders with your trades. So I've singled out Daniel Sams, Glenn Maxwell, Tom Curran, although we've talked about where Tom Curran could bat. Marcus Stoinis, again, we've talked about where the fact that he might not actually bowl. Uh, Mitch Marsh, uh, they're probably the big five, but even, even Rashid Khan can swing the bat for a good strike rate as well. So, there are, so they are other players that you could probably target to even to finish your team off or to start if you can afford it some, somehow. Azza, what tactics yeah. would you employ for all season long? Yeah, look, I mean, obviously you're right. Weather's a very important one. Trades we keep talking about, make sure you hold them. They're golden. You've only got a limited supply. Um, and yes, the all-rounders are the, definitely the players you want to target, um, especially because they have that double chance getting runs, getting wickets. They're the, really the important ones to target. And also, just be wary of any new signings that come along throughout the season as well. We have seen from previous seasons that there's been some late inclusions because of uh, international players dropping out. So you always keep abreast of all those sort of news. And here at Jog Reynolds, and there's plenty of other um, great communities out there that'll be on top of that as well. But just make sure that you're aware of who's coming in, what the squads um, are doing what the 11's looking like. Just be across as much information as that possible because that will really help shape your picks and your selections going into each round. Uh, yeah, so I, uh, the only thing I was going to say there, guys, is that um, like, as far as season-long advice goes, I hope it's not going to be as much of an issue this year, but you got to try as much as you can and be across sort of the potential um, border rules that are going to take place. And I, I got caught out last year where... I think it was leading into a Renegades double in the middle of the season. And I thought, oh, Imad Wasim, uh, the Pakistani spinner, would be a pretty solid option that could get me 70 or 80 points at a, what was a pretty reasonable price at that stage. And 
Um, unfortunately, because of the way that things are over in your neck of the woods, Damo, he, I think he played in New South Wales and then um, for one reason or another wasn't then allowed to travel from New South Wales to uh, Perth. So he played game one of the double. Um, and But if I'd done research on the borders, I would have known the fact that, yeah, because of the fact that he'd been in New South Wales, he wasn't going to be allowed to travel with the Renegades to Perth. So completely threw out, um, yeah, my plans for that double game week, unfortunately. But um, we've got our fingers crossed. And I, I know, like you hear the BBL bosses talking and they seem to be getting sort of more confident by the week as Australia opens up that hopefully BBL 11 won't be anywhere near as affected with compromised fixtures as, as last season was. Yeah, by the sounds of it, the border situation will be more cut and dry for WA, especially uh, we're already talking about opening up soon as long as our vaccination rates hit targets on time. So hopefully that means good things for the BBL and border restrictions and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, fingers crossed, guys. So no, it's... Um... I just want to say I don't know don't know if we're wrapping up soon, but yeah, you guys have done mm. you give it done an awesome job so far as part of our um, official team as well. Like it's been awesome to have you both on board, and love seeing all the um, promotion and everything that you've uh, been giving us through Jock Reynolds as well. So keep up the good work, and um, for the listeners of the the JR podcast as well, you'll be able to take on Damo and Azza as um, expert coaches uh, that you can add to your leagues as well this summer as well, which is pretty exciting to have a couple of the. Uh, JR aficionados as, as part of our um, sort of official expert coaches for the summer as well. Tim, we won't keep you much longer. Thank you so much for joining us this on this podcast. No, pleasure, pleasure, guys. Hopefully we can uh, do it again before it all kicks off on December 5. And as, a, as always, thank you for sticking around. Oh, it's a pleasure as always, Damo. And thank you again, Tim, for joining us. Oh, thank you. We'll see you next time.